Bull releases Moana Mataeli. Slips away from him and he's got too close to that. Oh, Hello and welcome to our fifth episode of the Counter Ruck Rugby Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things rugby. I'm the host of the Counter Ruck, Stacey, and today we welcome a knowledgeable panel of rugby enthusiasts. So let me uh, introduce everyone. Firstly, we have from the City of the Future and a Ponsonby Rugby stalwart, Joey. Joey, welcome, brother. Thank you for having me. Nice, brother. Thanks for coming on. Um, secondly, we have a wider matter rugby legend and an expert at accumulating yellow and red cards. Rog, Rog, thanks for coming on, us. Wow. I won't dignify that with a response. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that up so with the new yellow red card rules. You can chime hey, in on that part. Hey, just, before, and, just um, because Scott Scrafton got a couple of yellow cards out of red in the weekend, mate. Come on. <laughs> You'll still be an oblique. <laughs> yeah, the big calls coming straight away from Rog. And last but not least, we have the host of the Back of the 135 podcast and a diehard Blues fan. Cams, thanks for jumping on. Pleasure to be here. Right, boys, so um, I'll take care of a few housekeeping things before we start. Um, so we have our website up and running. So check us out at www.wizwiznet.com. And also you can follow the Counter Ruck on Twitter and Facebook. So feel free to engage with us there. Okay, boys, so uh, a few things happened in the world of rugby since our last podcast, and I wanted to offer a counter-ruck perspective over it all. So firstly, Super Rugby Australia started up this week. So that's good news for the diehard rugby fans that need more than the two games from Super Rugby Aotearoa to get their fix. Also in the news, Blues and All Black star, this breaks my heart, Bowden Barrett has decided to exercise his sabbatical option and take up a one-year deal with the Suntory in Japan for the 2021 season. And also just in the news today, uh, there was an anonymous poll conducted by Country Sport Radio producer Sam Casey over, over 100 professional players from New Zealand rugby. Now, they are still revealing some of the findings, but one of the interesting things to come out of it was the majority of players interviewed weren't happy with the all-black coaches that were selected. And that's sort of where I wanted to start, boys. So in this poll, only 28% of the more than 100 players interviewed were happy with the All Blacks coaching appointments. So, uh, Joey, I'll come to you first, Deuce. Do you agree with the findings of the player poll? And do you think the All Blacks have selected the uh, the right coaches? I do agree with the player poll, actually. I did see that uh, there was there was a, a large percentage of, or a larger percentage, that were happy with the head coach, but... In terms of the assistant coaching staff, I think there's a lack of confidence there from the players. I can see it already. Like, you know, they've, you've got one guy who's predominantly a Waikato Chiefs guy. You've got another guy who has come from the Canes. And then you've got another guy who's come from Crusader country. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Raj? What's your take on, on the player poll? Do you think they got the right coach for the, for the All Blacks? Probably the first time is that I can recall, in recent times anyway, 
that there has been such a controversial sort of feel about the decision of the All Black coaching staff this time around? I mean, there never really was that sort of angst around when Hanson or Henry were given the, the job again. There was a little bit because of when they, they failed in 2007, then the surprise of them being reselected to take on 2011. But I think this poll was sort of it reflects the sort of the, the mood around the selection of, of Foster over obviously one of the more favoured options as of uh, Crusaders Scott Robinson. So I think it's it's sort of a timely and um, to be expected sort of poll that's come out. Interesting that it's it's come out even now when but I guess it's only a reflection of having that research done and poll of an anonymous 100. So it'll be interesting because yeah, so I saw that 46% um, believe that New Zealand rugby didn't get the decision right. So that's 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 a uh, you know 46 senior rugby players in the in the professional game in New Zealand only 28% agreed that New Zealand rugby got it right and then uh, 26 were 26% said that they were happy with Ian Foster but not the assistant coaches so yeah so there's a, f- a few people on the fence about the assistant coaches but then the majority with that 46% plus the 26 they are not happy with the assistant coaches so there's there's obviously a good percentage of that, um, 72% unhappy with the general makeup of the of the management this this time round. So interesting to see them going forward as to how the management take this sort of feedback on board and and move on from there. But obviously it just goes to show how how favoured and how many players sort of probably wanted a Scott Robinson to take the helm. But then that's not take into consideration the Tony Browns, the Jamie Josephs as well in that makeup. Mm. Yeah, I don't agree with Roger. Um, I think if you think about the build-up to who's going to win the job as an All Blacks coach, Foster was there, he was there in the old, he was with the old coaches before and you got and you got Scott Robinson who was coming up winning with the Crusaders and probably getting that um, player support, especially with Tony Brown through a um, player-coach standpoint. No? So um, yeah, yeah. I think... What they brought was that was an unbalanced sort of like um, players wanting for a coach sort of thing. So, in, in, in support of Foster though, you know because he's inherited a team that he's been a part of. He's been a part of that makeup for such a long time. There wasn't the same sort of controversy around Steve Hansen inheriting a team after after uh, Graham Henry. Mm. But it just seems to be that. Um, a lot of it is focused on who he's chosen or selected as the as assistant coaches. But then, in all fairness, there's still almost 50%, if we take um, Dalvin deeper into those stats, so there's 26% not happy with the assistants, but are happy with Foster. And then another 28% agree with Foster being at the helm. So you've almost got... Uh, close to 50% or just just over that agree with Foster being there but then obviously there's a, an unhappy which is always going to have you know and but it's never been brought out to the public in such a way as this poll has now that we're facing it and so who knows what uh, I guess what, what it would have been like if a poll like this existed when John Mitchell was at the helm because that would have been an interesting polling as well given everyone knows it's, it's, it's common knowledge how unhappy certain players are with Christian Cullen his non-selection in that 2003 World Cup as well, and leading up to that, it's probably um, Grant Fox, eh? Because <laughs> because that guy's uh, retained his position as um, All Black selector, and I think after coming off of a, a failed World Cup, probably look at the selections there. I don't know. Yeah, good point. I think um, you know I, I've 
suppose I have questions about Foster's head coaching credentials because he was in charge of the Chiefs and they didn't really they were pretty poor when he was in charge and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't yeah. until Dave Rennie got there that they were able to get something so you know I think that might be playing on the selectors' minds uh, on, on the players' minds sorry but I've just got a list of the assistants when you talk about who they didn't really like um so he's got Scott McLeod he's a defense coach John Plumtree is the forwards coach Brad Moore is the backs coach. Greg Feek, the scrum coach, and then, like you mentioned, Grant Fox, he's retained um, as a selector. So that's a bit of a mixed bag of guys who have mixed results as, as coaches. So I think that probably is the big part of the thing. But the big issue that I have was um, more with the process. So they had um, Steve Hansen. He announced very early on that 2019 was going to be his last year. And the All Blacks in the New Zealand Rugby Union, they basically didn't do anything until after the World Cup had finished that was when they when they decided they were going to find a coach and by that stage Dave Rennie was already signed to Australia and um, Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown sort of had a handshake deal and were three quarters of the way on the way to Japan still so I felt they got back into a corner where there was only really two candidates of all the coaching candidates they thought they were going to get so it became between Foster and um, Scott Robinson as you mentioned so uh, oh, that's my biggest issue mainly with the process they should have done it earlier then maybe Dave Rennie could have been the coach or even Jamie Joseph like you mentioned with Tony Brown as, a, as an assistant. so Spot on, spot on. I reckon the players saw that as well. Yeah, but I think where Jamie Joseph's uh, credentials even jumped up the charts was especially with how Japan performed at the World Cup. So I guess he, he would have been one of those uh, potential applicants, but man, he, he went through the roof. Um, him and Tony Brown, the demand for those two in particular sort of skyrocketed because of the way that they were able to uh, manage Japan through that um, amazing World Cup for, you know, from their perspective. Nice, nice. Good, good uh, depth thinking there, boys. Um, if we haven't got anything else in that, uh, we'll move on to uh, Bodie. Bowden Barrett. He's supposed to be the blue saviour. He's, he's packing his bags next year. Um, yeah, so signed a one-year deal. I think it's worth $1.5 for next season. Um, I'm not sure, but I think that could make him the highest paid player in, in world rugby. I'd have to check that. But, um, yeah, Cam Smade, I'll come to you, mate. What's your thoughts? And as a Blues fan, what did you take of... What's your thoughts on um, the Bodie deal? Do you think the Blues are going to be okay? And I think it's a disaster. He, <laughs> his body is worth three, $3 million or what, how much money he's going to get. So, you know, he, he, he won't be doing any hard running in the games. You know, I, I think you should, they should just put him on the bench and get someone else on. It's <laughs> 15. Plus, you know, the Blues are doing good anyway without him anyway. So I don't think there'll be a difference there. I'll tell you, Black has been playing real well. Um, he's got that 10 sewed up, I think, for the Blues. But yeah, in regards to, to Bernard Barrett, I think he'll be a liability to the team now. <laughs> he's got that money, man. He's got that money, man. He's, he has to look after his body, man. You know? Because <laughs> how about yeah. agree? He's got, he's got one eye on his, on his bank account already. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How long is his Blues contract for? Because I know he signed for... the World Cup 2023. Yeah, but is that, he signed with uh, New Zealand Rugby for till 2023. But is that the same with the Blues? I think so. Okay. I think his wife's Auckland and she says he's staying. <laughs> because I knew, I knew that... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Apparently, uh, according to, to the New Zealand Herald, that, uh, that the Blues understood that Barrett would take a one-season sabbatical at the front end of his four-year right. agreement with New Zealand Rugby, right? That will take him through, as you said, to the World Cup in 2023. But the only question was which club he would go to. And obviously, Suntory have become successful in that. Um, the way that it's termed in the New Zealand Herald is that the Blues have always seen it as short-term pain for long-term gain. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
So yeah, um, that's I, probably because we've at the Blues they've experienced the long term pain for no gain. Yeah, it, it was just real. I, I couldn't yeah, help but that's sort a of. Good point. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell tell him aside. Bodie's in the driver's seat there. Absolutely. So he was always going to be, you know, trying to capitalise yep. on some money overseas, and Japan was always going to be a lucrative offer for anyone of his calibre. So. I wasn't surprised, but I couldn't help but chuckle when I saw that headline. <laughs> Especially with the no tax thing that they have over there, which is awesome. No, that's it. That's it. There you go. So he's getting paid, paid. Yeah, I suppose, you know, if you're in his shoes, you can't really knock it. If someone was throwing that kind of money around, I would probably definitely take up that sabbatical option. But, um, you know, it's interesting. You brought up um, Otero Black, how good he's been playing, Cameron. But I think he could be a major beneficiary. Because I think the, the All Blacks might need another sort of backup playmaker now. No, that Brody's not going to be there next year. And they might try to blood one this year. And Otere, in my opinion, is probably the, the best, oh, based on super super rugby Aotearoa form, the best place to get a jo- uh, jersey uh, with the All Blacks. So I, I think he might be in, might be a winner here. But from a from a blues smiling back there. <laughs> from a blues blues fan perspective, don't you feel short changed? Because let's look at it. If he's if he's got a contract for four years, taking him through to twenty twenty three, you've been short changed. Obviously, this year couldn't be helped because of COVID. But he wasn't going to come back until mid season to later anyway. And COVID has sort of pushed back, and then Super Rugby never eventuated or resumed. So now is a shortened version of a Super Aotearoa, which you know is not meaningful in terms of Super Rugby titles, whoever takes it out anyway, because you're not going to really say that you're a Super Rugby champion after this season. You'll have the, the novelty and the um, the novelty sort of championship having won Super Aotearoa, but you can't really say that, wait, that, that that's on the same sort of level as winning the entire competition, a proper competition, a full competition. But, you know, I know <clears> the Blues like any title, but in saying that, it's going to... You know, then you'll have two years, two years left after that. So you're banking on 2022 and 2023. How much will you get of Bowden if they're really trying to wrap him up and make sure he's rearing to go for the World Cup in 2023, which is going to be held in France? So I'm thinking short change, you know. That's a lot of money that's spent on one player. Yep, marquee player. So that's it comes with a bit of the territory. But really, you're going to be seeing him for how many seasons? Possibly one, one full Super season, which is 2022. Just get him on the bench and put and start marching. I think at 15. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, yeah, I think um, Roger, you grace. That's actually a good point. And if the if the Blues weren't winning, then I would really be upset. But because the Blues, like Cameron mentioned, the Blues are doing good pre Bowden this year. Prior yeah. And now you know he's he's added his little. But he's 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 played great for us. But absolutely, I, I don't think it, it's as dire as it has been in the. Pre- I think we're still going to be semi-okay, even mm. though you're losing a world-class player. So. Yeah, and it's been exciting, yeah. like, you yeah. know, from... I, stand- I, I, to admit, I was like, <laughs> more, you were gutted, today, Stace. You were gutted, today. I was. I've was. i had a few days to get over it now. Cam's <laughs> needs a bit more time by the sound of things. <laughs> Yeah, I could, I could, I can understand why a lot of fans would be spewing because there was a lot of sort of anticipation with his coming because he signed late last year as well for the Blues, and then we knew that he, uh, he's going to be travelling and doing a bit of an OE, and um, and they're not even going to be coming in until round eight as we expected, but um, then COVID hit, and so even more delays, and then he's only he hasn't scored any points for. 
the Blues in, in the normal super competition, but only in Aotearoa. So he's had four games now for the Blues, which is awesome. And he's performed really well and complimented and been able to work in tandem with Aotearoa Black, who I believe has been a star quality player for the Blues this year. And I think it was it was, it was was bound to happen once he was able to get over his injuries because there was a lot of um, potential with Aotearoa once he sort of left the Canes and come here to get out of, we've mentioned it many times before, um, out of the shadows of Bowdoin. And um, I think even at, with the loss of him going next year, I think the Blues have, are in in good stead with a, a quality player like uh, Aotearoa. But Leo McDonald was quoted in the Herald also saying that they knew this was going to happen and, and that's why they had prepared with um, plenty of other backup number 10s. Nice. Joe, you got any thoughts on this before we move on to our, um, our next subject? Uh, yep, I agree with Roger that um, his, uh, Bodhi's a bit of a uh, liability now, or Cam, that he's a bit of a liability now, and that, you know, what Roger said about him, you know, being a waste of, I guess, investment. <laughs> no, nah, but he's um, apparently he's coming back end of next season, which is 2021. So hopefully the Blues do well without him, with Perifeta, coming back from injury, and Harry Plummer coming off the bench for um, All Teddy Black is playing awesome, and will get let go once, you know, hmm. Dan Carter gets into play. I think, yeah, it's, it's a bit sad <laughs> as a Blues fan to see that, but anyway, contract's a contract, and it was probably part of his contract, so who cares? But I think one of the bottom lines as well that Leon mentioned yeah. that a guy like um, Bowden Barrett has earned the right to have the sabbatical, similar to what the guys of the past have done, Ma'anunu, the um, Richie McCaws, the Conrad Smiths, as and as recent as uh, Brody Retallick, I think as well. So it's just it was always going to be one of those things that uh, if they're wanting to keep this guy longevity-wise, then you know they've earned the right, and that's part of the modern game as well, I, I believe. So it was to be expected. Yeah, yeah nice. he just should have taken a sabbatical with the Hurricanes, not with us. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um. All right, boys, uh, we'll move on to something else, boys. So, earlier this week, Super Rugby Australia set up this week. So, I thought we'd um, have a brief look at that. Um, I'm not sure if anyone caught many of the games, but through a couple of things. So, they've also got similar rules to what we've got with the, the breakdown rules, the, the red card rule, uh, the golden point rule. But they've chucked in a couple of extra things here. So, instead of five-meter scrums, when an attacking player is held up in goal, um, or knock on over the try line. They have goal line dropout, so similar to league. There's a limit on how many scrum resets they can have, and if there's too many, they just give a penalty, uh, penalty to the opposition team, trying to speed up the uh, stoppages. And they've got this thing called a 50-22 and a 22-50. So where you kick the ball out if you're inside your 22, and it bounces out over the 50, then you get the line out. So uh, some interesting things, similar to the 40-20. So these are basically some uh, rules that they've taken from league. So I'm not sure. Um, we'll get some thoughts on, on the new rules and just the new Aussie competition just briefly. So, uh, Joey, mate, what, what did you make of any of the anything I just said there or any of the games or anything from Australia? Oh, mate, um, not too much because uh, obviously Aussie's not on the uh, priority list for us Kiwis here to – we actually want to see quality rugby being played, um, <clears throat> but I do I do think we are taking too much from rugby league. We need to be a little bit original. 
that's all I'll say on that. At least take the. Yep, yep. Uh, at least I we did, should be taking the, the. A lot more from league than, than we've taken, even though we've taken a few. Oh, sorry. Um, I was I was gonna add like carry on, carry on. at least we should be taking the tackling in our rules of of, of league. <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about this in our opening pod where the games are just getting so much closer and closer together, and rugby does seem to, to be taking a lot more from their game now. So, what about you, Roger? Did you take anything away from the Super Rugby Oz in the opening? No, I wasn't ready to comment on anything Australian uh, this weekend or this week because I, I I thought yeah it was starting next week, but. I think from the general feel I get is that, in comparison, I think they're looking at uh, the Australian competition as a lot of the next generation players. Because then you got the inclusion of Western Force, which uh, were dumped from the Super Rugby um, competition a couple of seasons ago, and so they're sort of reaching in terms of trying to best prepare for what could be an international sort of. Um, calendar later on this year if that still goes ahead and so the way that they compare it is that they compare it to that they're basically still little kids, they're still kids in comparison to what we've got as our professionals in New Zealand yeah we've got our young players but it's still listed with a lot of experience as opposed to what Australia are finding at the moment so, uh, or contending with at the moment so you've still got your Will Guineas your, um, and also your Quake Coopers in and, in and around the game which is good for them but it'll be interesting to see in terms of from a Dave Rennie perspective as to whether they can still, whether he'll be able to um, call on overseas-based Australians like the Matt Gateau uh, once was. So, But otherwise, if, if all he's got is what's been on show this weekend and the weeks ahead um, through their sort of um, makeshift competition like our Aotearoa one, it's going to be a couple of lean years for Australian rugby. I mean, they've struggled as it is in previous years, but it just makes it that much more tougher for them on an international level, let alone um, super super level. But there's some exciting talent coming through. Nice. Yep, that was a big takeaway that I got out of it as well. So Liam Wright, um, the Queensland Reds uh, open side, I think he was, or blind side he played in this game. He was the man of the match, and I think he's only 23 years old. And Noah Lolisil from the Brumbies, he was the man of the match in that game, and he's 20. So all these young guns, they've got uh, Harry Wilson there and uh, Will Miller and a couple of other guys. They've got a good young crop of players coming through. And also those a lot of those guys were part of the Australian under-20s hmm. last year. They beat the uh, New Zealand under-20s. So you're right, I think they'll need a couple of years to get ready, but at least... The young guns coming through look good. And also the Brumbies, they are still the team the team over yeah. there in Australia. They were the best team on show. They beat um, the Rebels quite comfortably. So, uh, And they're, they're yeah, setting quite um, the benchmark. Not, with, not much else to say on that. Yeah, they're, they're setting quite the benchmark with yep. the play in history they have in Lulis Hill, classic example, the way he's... But I quite like the look of uh, Gus Bell, I think his name is, Angus Bell. Yeah, the, the prop, prop. Yeah, prop from New South Wales. The prop at the uh, Waratahs. Mm. Yep. So, and he's, yep. he was only he's 19. He was only 19 for. early this year, so it's crazy young. Nice, boys. Right, so we'll um, we'll get into our reviews, like we our usual uh, format. So, first game on Saturday night was the Highlanders at home against the Crusaders, and the Crusaders took it out 40 points to 20. So, uh, Joey, mate, I'll come to you first. Also, how did you see that one? Sorry, champs, I was on mute. 
local party, if you want to call it, um, between the two franchises there in the South Island, where Crusaders obviously were favoured to win and then ended up winning. And the Highlanders, yeah, you know, they showed up. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was a few passages of play that I thought were brilliant, especially by the forwards there, backed by their halfback, Mr. Um, Handicapped Toilets, what's his name? Um, what's the halfback's name? Aaron Smith. Smith. <laughs> you got me thinking there for oh. a second. I was going, what's the halfback for Highlanders? That's right. Mr. Handicap Toilets, I can't believe I knew that and not his name. But yeah, I thought he, I thought he, led, he led his pack well. Um, it's nice to see a, a halfback that barks yes. the way he does, because I enjoyed that as a player, as a forward, to have a halfback that just really directs you. Um, and you could see that in the highlights of that particular game. There was nothing great about Crusaders other than Drummond's performance, which has been um, highlighted a few times over various media outlets. I thought he was spectacular. And if he's not the the number two right now for that black jersey, um, you know, behind behind the handicapped toilets go, oh, sorry, um, yeah, behind, you know, the obvious, then um, I think some question marks need to be had. So you, you'll pick him over TJ Perinara at this stage? Yes, at this point, at this point, at this point, because his team's doing well, and if the team's doing well, then the player has a better chance and better performances, and you know will be looked at on international level. Unfortunately for TJ, he's behind, he's behind a pack that isn't performing to you know any kind of potential. Really, I mean I've said it time and time again, but we'll, we'll get to that when we come to the Chiefs game, Chiefs Hurricanes game. It was Drummond's passing that they made him stand out, especially that pass that led to that um, try with um, Civil Reese. He cut out like yes. three guys there, his whole midfield, straight to Civil Reese in yep. the corner. And how nice was that to see as a, as a rugby fan? Just slick passing. Yeah. Yep. That was a beauty. He backed himself too, you know, he threw that right across the face of the defence and that was a beauty. So yeah, I agree it was one of the standouts. What, how about you, Raj? Did you, you got much to add on this one? I was just looking at the uh, the post that was put up in our in our thread with the man of the match picture of Mitchell Drummond, and just looking at those stats, that there was only two points, so he obviously got a conversion. Mm. He had six meters gained, the one try assist that you've just alluded to, and one defender beaten. So that doesn't really spell out too much of a man of the match sort of performance for me. But obviously, yeah, you would have had to watch the game to see all that in play. I mean, I, I quite, I'm a fan of Mitchell Drummond as well, and I've quite liked him coming off the bench. But um, when he, he's quite a nippy little halfback, sort of reminds me of a Shark Robinson that used to play for North Harbour in the Blues back in the day. Um, probably not as stocky as uh, Shark Robinson, but he's he's that kind of nippy player that can get in around the field and obviously got a real sharp pass, um, maybe like a Tanuu or Kevin Sengil, uh bullet pass. But... Um, or halfback, that's part of the arsenal, I suppose, and they're supposed to have that. But I think the only thing I can add to this is that, is with the stats that I saw, and it, uh, let me get that, get to that, sorry. I love how you threw in Kevin Senior there. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Kevin. I know you're an avid listener of ours. There it is, Kevin. And we lost for whole Kevin. Uh, turning the odd 42, Kevin Senior. So, yeah, from what I saw... With the Highlanders, I mean, just looking at the stats, there was the Crusaders were able to make 535 metres to the attack of the Highlanders being only 304. So 
showing that they were able to um, capitalise a bit more. There was 236 passes all up from the Crusaders, 120 from uh, the Highlanders. So there was, they, they seem to have had a lot more position. And as a result of that, 17 offloads, 10 offloads so the, versus 10 offloads from the Highlanders. So they were able to experiment and, and do what we know that the Crusaders can do with, with ball in hand. 42 defenders beaten from the Crusaders to 25 from the Highlanders and and then, but then, in, in saying that, the Crusaders were they conceded fifteen turnovers to the Highlanders eight. So I guess with that amount of ball, they were able to they they were obviously going to be more vulnerable to lose that much pill as well. But um, I think it was a defensive effort from the Highlanders, and that would have exhausted them a bit more. The the, the score showed, but the real telling stat is the hundred and seventy eight tackles that the Highlanders had to make to the 100 the Crusaders had to make so and and then saying that they missed 42 tackles of the 178 so I think there's some telling stats here in the way that turned out so I'm not surprised with the score in the end which I'm not too sure about was it 40 to 20? 40 odd? to 20? 40, 40 20. Yep. Yeah 40-20 Yeah yep. so well, Jordan, again, having a stellar game and he's he's earmarking a spot in that AB uh, squad to be announced. Is there going to be an AB squad announced this year? Who knows? COVID has done a lot of damage to the international game, let alone the domestic uh, versions. But it'll be interesting to see. We'll, we'll, he's, he's having a stellar year. Um, he's, he's deserving of all the talk that's going around at the moment for Mark Talia. It's sort of... You know, stalemate there because uh, old one Caleb Ralph is taking the charge at the Blues at the moment. But Will Jordan definitely in the mix. The Severus is that he's he's doing exactly what is asked of him as well, and obviously able to capitalise on a great pass from uh, Mitchell Drummond. Crusaders just doing what they can do best. Top of the table clash this week, which we'll touch on later. But so it'll be interesting to see uh, massive litmus test for uh, the Blues to see if they can. Uh, continue on their unbeaten run and continue on having some great performances that we've been able to enjoy. But Crusaders, um, the juggernaut that is the Crusaders, are going to be tough to beat in Christchurch. I noticed you nice. threw in another name there, Rog. What's that? What's that? Caleb Ralph. Yeah. Did you mean Caleb? I do apologise, Caleb. Oh, how oh. do you get those? No, 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 because because uh, maybe because I was confused with the Crusaders. Caleb Ruff, Caleb Clark, yes, like yes. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, Caleb Ruff Caleb was Clark, a very yeah, uh, okay. was a great athlete himself. Um, he was an All Black too, and controversial selections at time, but deserved. <laughs> great Northland boy. That's it. That's it. I do. I do apologise, Caleb Clark. Nice. Uh, it's interesting you brought up uh, Mitchell Drummond in, in the game that he had at Aaron Smith. So the way the new game has, has evolved with the new laws, it's a lot more faster. So these sort of nippier aerobic halfbacks are becoming more in vogue. So guys like Mitch Drummond and Aaron Smith's obviously that guy. And, and we see Brad Webber and these type of players. And TJ Perrinau, he's a bit different. Eh? He's a bit more a bit more solid, a bit more rugged and that type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see the selections on that front. But um, yeah, uh, one thing I'll say, Shannon Frizzell. He had another good game. He had a good game against the Blues last week, and now he's followed that up again with a strong game this week. So he's getting back to the form which got him um, in the All Black picture um, maybe, what, 12, 18 months ago. And the Crusaders, they were strong in that second half. So the Highlanders are winning 17-14 to 14 at halftime. 
And then the Crusaders outscored them, what was that, 26 points to three in that second half and just basically blew them off the puck. So um, that's something that you have to be careful of. The Crusaders have got a really strong squad depth. So when they bring their bench on, there's not much loss. In fact, some of them can really take things up to another level. So they had Sever Reese on the bench and he came on and we all know how good he is. So it's something that teams that play the Crusaders have to be wary of because they've got that squad depth. But um, yeah, the Crusaders do what they do. They always win, so... So it's quite annoying. But um, yeah, if we haven't got anything else, if anyone else has got anything to say, we'll um, move on to Roger's team. <laughs> on Sunday, on Sunday, the Chiefs played the Canes in Hamilton and the Canes took it out 18 to 25. Uh, Roger, I'll give you the first word, brother. This is your team um, played down in, Ham- in Hamilton. How did you see this one? Yeah, I, I watched it with sort of uh, anticipation with the Chiefs, just wanting to see, I think, when they played in Christchurch, we all talked about the Chiefs being due a win. Um, but I think the defence was the major reason why they just got held out. And and I think that's been part of the equation in pre- their previous losses against the Blues. It was the defence that held them out, despite the great attacking power and prowess that they possess with, with the likes of the, the Crudens and McKenzie and the Sean Stevensons when he's on, and Anton Leonard Brown. Anton Leonard Brown, a massive uh, missing factor there for them this time round. But there was still good go uh, go forward from the the young um, centre pairing that they had um, against the against the Hurricanes. But the, I, I have to commend the Hurricanes in their defence holding them out. And the way we saw that, I've got them. Chiefs had 517 metres. In, in which they carried the pill. They had 154 carries of the ball to the Hurricanes 100. Um, they had 11 clean breaks, but the Hurricanes had 15 of their own. Passes, 184 passes went through 80, 184 pairs of hands to the Hurricanes 125. So they didn't have a. Uh, they weren't short of the pill at all. They had a lot of possession. However, they just. I think for me, they just couldn't capitalize on the opportunities that they had. They had a few tries disallowed, but then also their um, their kicking game wasn't too good. They missed all their conversions, which they had one try, I believe it was. But at the same time, 95 tackles and the stellar defence effort from the Hurricanes, 170. That just goes to show how much the Hurricanes had to work. And then even despite losing... Uh, Scrafton for the first lot of 10 minutes they were still able to they they only pounced on when once Scrafton got red carded after the second yellow they only were able to capitalise one trial so I thought this is it 64th minute Scrafton's off they won't be able to bring on someone after the 20 minute sort of period where you're allowed to replace a red carded player and yet it just goes to show you sometimes it's an automatic thought that oh yeah you're one man down the, the team with the, the advantage of one extra player will be able to um, be able to come back and score points. But um, the Hurricanes um, were able to hold on and secure that win. But at the same time, man, it's, it, wasn't, it was as, as frustrating as it was to watch the Chiefs unable to capitalise and not execute what they normally would execute. Um, you have to give it off to give, give your hat off to the Hurricanes were being able to just have a real uh, awesome performance on defence and Karifi was a standout for me as well, getting in there but working in tandem with um, Adi Savia at the back of this at the 
pick of the road. And, and Adi didn't seem as quick as we know him to be, but he was still able to make those breaks in and, and strong carries and, and, and lead from the front was a real easy try to Van Wick at the beginning there. Just a massive overlap uh, and score sort of untouched in the corner. I didn't recognise him at first because he had cut his hair, but um, Van Wick showing his wares again. Ben Lamb had a strong game, I believe, as well. I'm always got a question mark on Ben Lamb as to, you know, should you just go to Samoa or is he going to persist and hopefully get some form of a black jersey at the end of the year? But he's had some stellar years um, with the Hurricanes, but I, I think he's just one underestimated, underrated player who, who could possibly do the damage for a black jersey. Uh, but I'm not a selector like Grand Fox. But um, other than that, I, you know, with my heart, I was hoping the Chiefs would be able to do the damage. Scott Scrafton gave me a bit of hope there once he got recarded, but um, happy for the Hurricanes. And it is looking pretty dire for the Chiefs. They're only on three points at the bottom of the barrel there, but another four games to gain. Who knows? Nice. So how about you, Cavs? How did, how did you see um, anything to add on that one? Yeah, no, I, I didn't watch the game, but um, I've been saying the last two weeks that the Chiefs were going to win one of those games, and I thought that this was the game they were going to win, but obviously not. But I see that we've um, put Jordy Barrett as our um, man of the match, and I think because that, that was his first game back from from his injury, he probably was the big difference there. Massive difference. Yeah, yep, I agree with that. No, no, I was just going to say he was really composed under the high ball. He outshone, didn't matter what McKenzie did. McKenzie did some really good stuff, but um, I think it showed... Uh, Although you can compare them, it showed uh, also the differences in what Jordy offers as a, a utility back, mainly as fullback. But um, his speed, his height helps him in the air as well. But yeah, mm. it was a good competition. Joey, mate, what's your take? Well, mate, as you know, I'm a, I have a lot of interest in um, forward play, especially front row play. And for me, it was just nice to see the um, the two Chiefs props actually have the best games of, of the forward pack, I thought. Um, Stan Kane was lucky not to get binned for his shoulder on uh, TJ. Yes. <laughs> TJ um, milked that. TJ time. milked that, man. Yeah. So, um, and uh, Aiden Ross put a nice hit on Laumape as well, which was good to see from, uh, you know, from, from Roa. Um, and... The guy that I thought played the best of all the front rows was um, Nepal Laulala. Mm. He really gave Ben May a hard day, and that was lovely to see. Um, and, you know, he put in a really good performance. But in terms of, the, I guess, the, the, the backs, um, I thought McKenzie um, played really well, other than maybe a bit of a uh, brain explosion or, you know, I guess a misread that led to Van Wick's try. Um, other than that, there were no stand-ups. Everyone played kind of average um, for mine, anyway. Uh, yeah, there was, there was no real stand-ups for me in that game, other than the, the forwards that I named. I, qu- I quite like yep. the injection, uh, Stace, in of uh, Te Toiroa Tahuriorangi when he came on for oh, the, yes. for the yes. Chiefs. He was he had a massive, nice, clean break up the middle, but that was due to some good inside passing as well. But the way he came on, he just injected a bit of sort of much-needed 
um, urgency and speed around the play, and but uh, didn't get there in the end. But it was good to see the way that he was able to be brought into the game and um, yeah. to sort of just create some fire in the belly for the Chiefs, although we were short of the mark. But um, yeah, it's good to see benches uh, being emptied and players coming on and adding that impact. Mm. Yeah, nice. I, th- I think um, you guys touched on the main points. Jordy, he w- he made a big difference. Eh? So you can tell that the Crusaders, uh, sorry, the Hurricanes have really missed him. So he came on and he was uh, composed under the high ball, like you mentioned, uh, Rog. And Adi Savia, he was starting to get back to where he mm. once was. So you look at the the Canes, you know, you had sort of two elite players back to their team. And yet they've got the makings of something a lot better than they've shown so far this season. So yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say was really that Adi Savia coming back and Jordi coming back was a, was a big difference. But they ended up blowing them away really in the first half. So I think it was twenty points to three at half time to the to the Canes, and the Chiefs were really up against it by that point. So um, yeah, I'm not sure what the Chiefs do from here and where they go. But um, yeah, I, I was actually shocked. I, I actually picked the the Canes in the tip. But I just I picked them just because I was there and I wanted to give them crap really <laughs> more than any uh, sound logic um, last week. But um, yeah, I, I will say that I was surprised. I actually thought the Chiefs would would get up on this one. So um, yeah, what do you think, Roger? I'm not sure what's going on with them. That I've picked them basically almost every week except for when they played the Blues. And uh, yeah, they've um, yeah. It's hard to pinpoint. Eh? It's not like there's one thing that you could say this is the one thing that's that's not really working. Well, I can't see. Yeah, to but be fair, I don't more? care what any of you three think about my Chiefs anyway, so I don't need your pity party, I don't need your charity to be given or offered at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Danny, Danny, I don't care what you think from Wendy Wellington either. But uh, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, our our halfback uh, birthday boy, Kevin Sengil, has said thank you for the birthday wishes to all the gents on the panel today. Um, and he's saying hopefully one day he'll be on the podcast. Uh, just busy, busy, busy at the moment. But he, yeah, Kevin saying, oh, he debuted for the Chiefs way back when. Um, yes, he's under Foster as well. So yeah, speaking of the Chiefs, I think they've got they've got the players. You know, it's 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 one of those frustrating things. You know that they've got a great um, team, a good good squad to to bring in, regardless of whether the Anton Leonard Browns are. Are out or whoever's out. Cruden, you could see Cruden and McKenzie were frust- getting frustrated because it didn't matter what they were trying to piece together, they they just didn't seem to have the to get the results that they were sort of seeking. Gus Soakula was he had a good strong running game as well, but again, just not enough to <laughs> get across the the white chalk there. Held up a couple of times, young midfielder as well, but again. Not too faced with uh, Super Aotearoa. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next four matches. Hopefully, we can get the results. Um, it's, it's, it is an uphill battle now in terms of being able to take out this championship. But hey, I'll never count out the Chiefs. I think they've got the personnel, as I mentioned. Frustrating and sort of induction for Warren Gatlin uh, taking the helm of the Chiefs at the moment. But who knows? He's. I think he's a very wise man. He's, he knows what he's doing, but obviously the results are just not flowing his way. I wasn't sure what the controversy was with Warren Gatlin. I saw a headline where he was question, question, he was 
questioning some of the controversial calls? Mate, was it the referees or maybe one of you can enlighten me? Well, Bodie, Bodie had that kick. He had that kick where he kicked that was like almost 60 metre oh, yes, yes, penalty. Yep. Oh, sorry, Jordy. Yep. And they said that he <laughs> he took it forward maybe five or six metres to take that kick. So oh, I've seen Bowden Barrett do that. I've seen Bowden Barrett do that in the past, but no, nah, I don't think. Um, yeah. Nah, Jordy did anything. I mean, fifty-eight meters. I mean, still serious. Mm-hmm. You probably be. You wouldn't have given him much of a chance to get it from that range anyway. Let alone from a little bit further out. But yeah, awesome. It was an awesome kick. Great to see. And I think the record is sixty-two meters, something like that. So, man, I think he still had yeah, a, a few meters there, right? on. Mm. Nice boys. Anything else that you want to add on this game before we? Um, I think it's work, Gatlin. He's been up north too long. But out of touch, you reckon, Cam? <laughs> yeah, I think so. He's been up north too long, and you know, he's trying to bring. In, <laughs> you know, he's got to be there at least this year. Get this year under his belt. The next year, he'll be back to um, Waikato rugby styles. You know. <laughs> but do you, do, you, do you give him any chance of becoming an All Black coach in the future? I do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because a, a lot of people around the country are probably think if Foster can become an All Black coach. Then surely, yep. <laughs> but you know, to his credit, Foster, you know, he's been a part of that All Black setup for a long time. So I wasn't really surprised he's been given the job either, just because you know, similar to the Steve Hansen route, he was part of that management for a long time before he became the head coach. Yeah, you look at Gatlin's his credentials. So even though this year hasn't been his best, but his coaching resume will hold up against anyone. So I hope he becomes the All Black coach, to be honest. But uh, we'll see how that unfolds. If he becomes All Black coach, that means Foster's had a shocker. So, you know, maybe I don't push that because I don't want the All Blacks to have a bad year just so how Gatlin can get the coaching role. But um, yeah, if no one's got else got anything else to add, we'll, um, we'll, we'll do some previews. So uh, on Saturday night, we've got the top of the table clash. The Crusaders hosting the Blues down in Christchurch. So, Joey, mate, I'll come to you first, brother. Give us um, your thoughts on this upcoming game and, and give us a prediction. Home field advantage. Um, <laughs> home field advantage. Um, that's got to count for something. It's always going to count for something. Um, and the fact that these guys are the champs and they know how to win, it's going to be a tough battle for our Blues, who are forming okay at the moment. I think they need to take their A game and then some. But it'll be nice if the boys get... Um, some insight from DC, but he's he's already down there waiting for them, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one for the Blues, but I do believe they can do it. They just need to take the right game plan this week. Mm, mm, intriguing. Games, uh, mate, what about you? What's your, what's your take on this upcoming game? I'm looking forward to that. I'll actually be there at the game down in Christchurch on Saturday. Oh, so, nice. uh, it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard game, man. Um, the way Crusaders are playing, you know, it's just business as usual over there. And it's our first year that we are winning the Blues. So, And Crusaders have the home home advantage. So uh, it's going to be a tough one, man. Um, I'm hoping. So that's your heart? So what's your head <laughs> saying? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all heart. It's all heart. Oh, it's all heart. Oh. It's all heart tonight, boys. So, oh, you know, I think, I think the Blues are going to do it, eh? The Blues are going to do it. Well, nice, nice game. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't being sarcastic. I'm saying, this. good on you, man. Good on you, brother. Back your team. You know what? I'll, I'll even put Bruno Barron in there to start. I know I said you should be on the bench with a bit of a liability, but I think this is a game. Because, because I, oh, you got to get 
But, he, 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 owes um, us. he owes us. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, who are you going to get in this place? So I don't want to put Matt Duffy out there. Yeah. So, man, nah. Right. He's got to play. I think DC has Roger strategically oh, yeah. deliberately delayed his Blues first match so that he gets to miss the Crusaders game. <laughs> Tricky guy. Sully, I think there's breaking news coming in right now. The media outlet is just releasing because DC's played down in Christchurch for his uh, old club. I think he's been on. He's been put on loan to the Crusaders. He's going to be coming off the bench for the Crusaders. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been. He's been undervalued by the Blues and not even getting a, a bench spot. If nah. that's the case, he might as well go, might as well go with uh, Bowden to Japan as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just came back just to pick him up and take him back. <laughs> I reckon it's going to be um, an a really awesome affair if it's um, dry foot. Underfoot, then, you know, you got four of the top wingers in the competition at the moment with the Mark Talia, Caleb Clark from the Blues versus Severis and Will Jordan from the Crusaders. So um, if they can sort of stay true to the expansive game that they've shown thus far in this competition, it's going to be an awesome spectacle to see any four of the, any one of those four um, sort of running free and um, making some clean breaks, scoring tries. And I think, true to Crusader form, they showed last week against the the Highlanders what they're capable of doing. And if they can put on 40 points on a Highlanders outfit that are trying to you know avoid the wooden spoon and doing a pretty good job of it, I think. Um, and anyone that can score 20 points against the Crusaders, that's it's no mean feat. So I've got to take my hat off to the Highlanders in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see where the Blues they can maintain their unbeaten form in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, continue to pack on the points and they've been doing that in real awesome style as well through their outside backs and then even their inside backs their forward play, their loose forward trio with the Hoskins and um, Akira Iwane so, and Blake Gibson, oh no not Blake Gibson uh, Papali'i of late so if they've still got that sort of momentum coming off this bye and can sort of continue um, what they've been doing in the weeks prior to that it's going to be an awesome clash uh, top of the table clash I'm looking forward to it, um, and hopefully I'm sort of undecided as to the result. I'm thinking Blues, um, Blues by 10 here, um, just because I, I think the Caleb Clark factor is going to be um, undeniable, and if he is unleashed and used, utilised well, but like we've seen, Caleb Clark can break out from the 22, um, mix, mix it in with some of the big boys there and, and still get some good forward momentum, and I think the Blues are going to be making a, a really clear statement um, that with or without Bowden Barrett, they're there to do the business. Nice, Rog. You know, um, Scott Robertson, he, rest, uh, he rested Bryn Hall, uh, Bryn Hall and George Bridge. So they didn't play last week. So I'm assuming they rested them um, yes. for this game. True. And Sever Reese was on the bench. So I think that, you know, he took a bit of a risk last week by resting some of his guns. But now they'll come back fresh. So that's... Uh, a critical factor. Cam, as you mentioned, you're going to the game. So they've already sold 12,500 tickets already. So it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a sellout. But um, I'm quite interested in what they're going to do with Will Jordan. Because if George Bridge comes back and Sevi Reese, who was benched, I think he'll get a start. And you talked about how good he's been, Rog, earlier in the pod. They've got to find a spot for him somewhere. And, and they've got David Harvey there. So just the depth in the, in the players. They've got so many that is outstanding true. guns. It's just, you don't know who they're going to pick. 
Because because Will but, yeah. Jordan can play fullback as well, right? Right. Um, it'll be interesting what they do with him if they if they find a spot for him and put him on the bench or something. But um, yeah, Caleb Clark, if he plays and he plays up against Sevu Reese, that's going to be a matchup right there. And um, I think if the Blues, I'm picking them to win. But if they do win, they're going to have to stop the Crusaders in the second half. So I mentioned in that first game when they when they played against the Highlanders, sorry, earlier in the podcast, they scored 26 points to three. And overall, in the, in the three games they've played, they've outscored their opposition 54 to 23 in the second half. So they just have this ability, and we've talked about with the squad depths and the guys, like what they're going to do with Will Jordan and the, the amount of players they've got. They have an ability to bring on the, the, their outstanding bench and just blow teams away in the second half. So if the Blues can stop that, and I think they can, because the Blues are also pretty good in the second half sometimes, um, I think the Blues are going to win. So um, that's why it's Blues by seven. We've got a good mix again, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, boys. Um, but uh, is anyone else, anything else they want to mention on this game before we um, move on to Sunday's game? I think just one more from me. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, over the last, however, four weeks, you know, the same names keep coming up for the Blues. Mark Tillier, Caleb Clark, not Ralph. Um, <laughs> and obviously Rico Ioane. And... Yep. Um, I think people are sleeping on TJ Fayani. He's he's got some leadership qualities there that I think people don't notice enough. And I think he's he's going to be one that brings the Blues together and helps from a back's point of view. Whereas obviously Patrick Tupolotu, the captain's in the front there with the forwards. But yeah, I'm interested to see how TJ Fayani goes against um, the midfield pairing there. So don't sleep on TJ. Yeah, it's a good point. You know they've got so many X Factor players on the backs. So that normally catches your eye, Caleb Clark and Mark Talia mm. and Rico mm. Ioane doing their steps and their, their breaks and stuff. But you're right, TJ Fahone, he's the glue in that back line. And, um, you know, he does all the little things well, that he, the unnoticeable things, similar to what Conrad Smith used to do and Ryan Cotty was doing for the uh, the Crusaders for a while. But those guys, those types of players are critical to every team's success. Mm. So, yeah, good call on that. You know, I, I reckon it's going to be hard for the Blues as well because of the bench. I think... The bench will play a big part in this game. If you think of, um, we talked about where where's Will Jordan going to go. I think he's going to come off the bench and you're going to put David Havili at the back. And that's some strike power for Crusaders for them to come off the bench. But we've also got, on the Blues, we've also got Finlay Christie, who's also been playing well. Mm. He's, he's been a spark off the Blues bench as well. So yeah, that's right. It'll be interesting to see um, who wins yep. that. Sim and Sam Nocke, they, yeah, sort of different type of halfbacks, but they're really good once they're playing like... Either way, I think Sam Nock can inject real good impact off the bench as well, but mm. he's, he's getting the starting nod ahead of uh, Christie at the moment. But Christie injects some good energy as well when he's come off. Well, I can't wait for that game. That's going to be must-watch TV, boys. But uh, right, we'll look at the, the Sunday night game. Um, the Hurricanes up against the Highlanders in Wellington. So Chiefs got the bye this week. Uh, Rog, how are you seeing that one? Uh, Will you watch it? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've always sort of I've been a fan of the Highlanders. I quite like the the way they they they're sort of a no nonsense approach. You know, um, a lot of them get sort of touted like um, the people of the mountain, just like the the farm boys of the Waikato as well. So, I think that not only do they have non no nonsense sort of attitude towards the game, but I reckon they're hard nosed and they're going to be up for a good match against the Hurricanes. I think they've got a good uh, backline there. I think Mitch Hunter's 
been sort of directing them well enough. And then obviously you've got Joshua in there as well. So uh, no slouches, but it should be interesting. I'm hoping that they can get up, get a result against the Hurricanes, but my head is telling me the Hurricanes will just uh, move on with the result that they got against the Chiefs and um, get the, the job done against the Highlanders. So I'm, I'm picking the Highlanders with Adi Savia, Jordy Barrett continuing his, his great form from last week um, to guide the Hurricanes through to a 15-point win. Well, cool. Okay. But how about you, Cam? So how are you seeing that one? That's a big call there from Rog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking the Highlanders to win this game. Woo! I think, I think you know, coming off two losses, two tough losses against the Blues and the Crusaders, I think it's really um, hardened them up. And they did play well against the Blues and Crusaders as well. So I think um, against the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes are just, just finding their, their feet. But I think um, next Sunday, I think Highlanders will just be a little too much, especially in the front. Yep. Yep, good call there. Joey, mate? Mate, I'm finding it hard to disagree with the Highlander chat. And because the game's being played in uh, at 3.35 on Saturday, you know, it's it's going to home field advantage is going to be even bigger for an afternoon game in New Zealand, I think. Mm. And and on that note, I think the Hurricanes will get it over the Highlanders, but, but they need to bring their A game against the Highlanders who have gained a bit of momentum from those, like you say, tough losses, Cam. Um, they were really unlucky not to um, do better against the Blues. They, they basically ran out of time when they decided they yeah. wanted to play. So um, mm. they bring their game early to the, Canes, to the Canes. They could win. But I, I think home field advantage is going to work too much in the Hurricanes' favour for an afternoon match on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, I've, I've changed my mind a couple of times on this one. Um, I've actually been surprised by the Highlanders, like you said, in our preview... <laughs> And <laughs> in, in our first podcast, we didn't give the Highlanders much chance of anything. Exactly. I'd just like to remind you guys who are saying that the Highlanders are going to be wooden spooners, man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised, um, I've got to say. Um, yeah, I think they could be the third best team. I still need to be convinced of that. But I think that they're, um, they're Lucy's. Uh, Shannon Frizzell has been outstanding the last couple of weeks. And... Um, Marino at number eight has also been very good. So, you know, they, they will have a tough ask against, you know, Duplessis, Carifi and Savi and, and those those guys. But I think that they'll get over the top, those Lucies, and they've got enough sort of firepower throughout the rest of the team that I think they can get a close away win. So I'll go the Highlanders by three in that one. Oh, well, um, just to throw a bit of a spanner in the works here, are we doing a, does that mean we're doing a, a mid-comp prediction since it's week four? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you want. I'd love to do one right now. Okay, okay. Start us off. <laughs> so what was what was what was your initial one from the from week one before this kicked off, Joey? Where where did you think it would sit at this moment in time? Where did you think the teams were stacked up on? The only the only two um, that have proved me wrong in terms of placings are the Chiefs <laughs> and and the Blues. Oh, sorry. Chiefs and Hurricanes. I did pick the Blues to win and the Crusaders yep. to lose. Them. Because, you know, obviously DC wasn't in the conversation then, was he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, just, he still just isn't signed. in the conversation because he he's, he's just running the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, all Teddy needs is to see his hero <laughs> in water. Um, so Blues, Crusaders. Oh, tough one. This is the tough one. The last three. Just say it, Chiefs. Blues, Crusaders. Oh, dare I said. Hurricanes, Highlanders, Chiefs. <sighs> oh, 
It's not bad. It's not bad. Please write that down, Stace, and keep a keep a record of it. I will. I'll keep note of that. I'll keep note of that. <laughs> we've got. Remember, at the end of the season, we've got our um, review show where we're going to revisit some of these predictions we made at the start. Camps, do you want to um, make any changes to your? So remember, you had you had the Crusaders win. Was that right? Yeah, the Crusaders win first. Blue second. Chiefs. Then I had Hurricanes and Highlanders. That was mine at the week one. Yeah. Are you happy with that, or you think that there's going to be some movement? Oh, okay. So, so I think now it's going to be Blues, Crusaders, Highlanders, Hurricanes, Chiefs. Whoa! <laughs> He's sticking with the Highlanders. Now, Rog, I know you. <laughs> Rog, you definitely have to change your things that I'm going to do shortly. Yeah, I, I believe I remember. So, Rog, just to recap, you had the Chiefs to win. I do recall it was the I had Chiefs to win it, Crusaders second, then I had. Hurricanes, Highlanders, and the Blues at the bottom. <laughs> You're fired from the podcast. <laughs> Obviously, there was a lot of heart going into that prediction. A lot of heart. And um, I think, still thinking with a bit of my heart in my head at the moment, I'm looking at it's possibly going to be either it'll be a close run with the Blues Crusaders. I reckon my Chiefs are going to turn it around and come in in third. And it's going to be hurric- uh, Hurricanes, Highlanders. Ooh. That's my heart in the middle there. Nice. <laughs> I see you agree with the Double H uh, there, there, Rog. Yeah, there. Double H. So I'm, I'm going along with that theory that you guys used to uh, abide by that someone, a uh, team beginning with H, were going to be at the bottom. So I'll, I'll, I'll stay true to that theory. I, ne- I didn't believe in it because I was wanting either to be B or C. I had Blues, Crusaders, Chiefs. Islanders and Hurricanes to come last. Oh, I just leave it then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with mine. I, I actually think the Highlanders will... I, I've got faith in the Chiefs. They're, they're well coached. Warren Gatlin is a world-class coach. They've got the players. They're, they've been in every single game. I'm giving them a chance. I'm going to stick with my predictions. I think that they're still going to come third. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just I'll just back it up with as to why I think the Chiefs are going to make a good run of it because, like at the end of at the you watch this at the end of this round, right? The stats were meters carried. The Chiefs are on top out of the, all the competition. I know they're just getting their by now, but they're still ahead of, by a long shot. They're sixteen hundred and forty nine meters carried. The next in line is the Crusaders with twelve hundred and seventy six. Then you got the Hurricanes twelve thirty eight. Blues, 1,075, and the Highlanders, 844. Um, then you've got the offloads. The Chiefs are just one behind the, Ch- the Crusaders on 29. Crusaders are 30, Highlanders 26, Hurricanes 21, Blues 19. Another telling stat, defenders beating. The Chiefs, 84, Crusaders 76, Hurricanes 68, Blues 59, Highlanders 54. Um, who who leads the carries, the most carries, with 57? Damian McKenzie. Second is Peter Sawakula with 49. Will Jordan comes in at third. Uh, Will Jordan's obviously got the most metres um, in 336. McKenzie coming in at 307. Sean Wainui, 233 in at third. Then we've got... Oh, no, sorry, that was... And then yellow cards. <laughs> the Blues with two, Highlanders two, Hurricanes one. Oh no, Highlanders, Hurricanes should have more than one. So they should have two with one red. But that's that's the reason why I still believe the Chiefs are in the running. You know, although they're not getting the results on the board, their stats are saying that they've got a lot of pill in hand. 
just not able yep. to execute at this moment. And then a lot of it, yep, and that's where you got to give credit where credit's due, is down to the defence defensive efforts of the teams that they've been coming up against and who have been able to, um, you know, be successful in, in holding them at bay and not letting the Chiefs score what they could probably score um, in any other given year. But And that's why I love the New Zealand sort of competition is as good as the attackers, sometimes the, the defence can, can be just as spectacular watching teams hold out a good attacking run from any team. So that's my piece. Nice. It will be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But this game, this game on Saturday, that's gonna. I think that's gonna go a long way to deciding first. So you know you've got to get it in there. All right, boys. Um, yeah, I'm glad that everyone got to, to do a, a rethink of the table because we will bring this up again at the end of the season. But we're about to wrap up our podcast, boys. So um, just go around the table and get some final thoughts before we um we close up. Uh, so I'll come to you first, Cam. So have you got any uh, final words? Go to Blues. Go to Blues. <laughs> nice and succinct. What about you there, uh, Rog? What, what, you, what, what about you, brother? All the best to Adam Thompson. If he gets a, a nod to go for the Chiefs this weekend, uh, all the best to the Chiefs. Hopefully they've done a lot of team bonding in the week off and trained the house down. We need that much-needed W this weekend. Um, so hopefully we can get a win and get on to the next three rounds after that, making a comeback for the middle of the table. Nice. Yep, a pretty retaliate comeback. Enjoy, uh, fast enough oh, uh, there, Rog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And, and you see, that, that's one of the things, like we saw with the Hurricanes, you know, Jordy Barrett wasn't there and Adi hasn't been there and they've been pretty poor. You know, you take a world-class player like Retallick out and, it, you know, those type of players are irreplaceable in any team. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Can't get a make fast enough. What about you, Joey? Any final words? Other as we yep. close up? Yep. Um, obviously, the Chiefs are in a very unfortunate, unlucky spot at the moment with their um, with their season. And I live in Chiefs country, so I have sentimental uh, connection to the Chiefs. Um, Don't need your as well as uh, I've got a fam- I've actually got a family member in the Chiefs, so I'm quite inclined to uh, hey, hey. to support them when they're not playing against the Blues. Um, like I did against the, the Hurricanes when I was sitting in the um, in the crowd. Um, but yeah, I hope the Chiefs do turn the season around from here on in. I mean, after their bye, of course, and like Roger said, they actually um, reflect um, and come back excited and hopefully win some games. But also, uh, I'm really looking forward to what the Blues can do, especially this coming week against the Crusaders. After a week off, so hopefully, you know that week off has uh, counted in their favour. So we'll see, but uh, I think yeah. Unfortunately, you know it is going to be uh, Super Altier Raw Rugby. The first Super Altier Raw Rugby will be won by the Blues. Sorry, oh, fortunately. Oh. <laughs> you put it up uh, with the other trophy yeah. the. Or Club oh. 10's championship. <laughs> and good luck to uh, my, my nephew, Etienne and Nice. I, oh, I nice. podcast as well. Oh, hey, yeah. Joey, yeah, Joey, are you related to that um, young Nanai that <clears throat> came up with that cultural dance on TikTok that now 
Josh Nanai, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah I've got a, all Nanai are related. So it um, doesn't matter where in the world you are, we're all related because we're all from the same part of Falate. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I've got a story about that, Josh, which I'll share on another podcast that's not sports related because it's, uh, it's to do with music, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, I kind of uh, helped get the communications between um, Capitol Records and who are under Universal Music and Josh's parents. So nice. Um, but in a real, it was a real funny. Um, it seems like it was. Eh? Yeah, it seems like it was. Oh, awesome. Oh, Stace, before you wrap it up, Stace, I just um, also a big yep. shout out to a, a mate of mine who ran a competition. He owns a resort in Nicaragua, and the reason why it's it's um, it's rugby related is because the competition was if anyone could streak through any of the Super Rugby games last weekend with <laughs> free the puck. The puck is P U K. And basically, only to be wearing socks or footwear and to streak through any of the Super Rugby games that took place in the weekend, they would win a trip to his resort in 2021 for one whole month in Nicaragua, and it's called The Palace. So a shout-out to my good friend Timothy Mullins, who's on his way back to New Zealand because he's had to <laughs> shut down shop due to the COVID virus, um, COVID-19 in, in Nicaragua, because he's not going to have any more travellers coming through, but hopefully to come back bigger and stronger next year. But, yeah, that competition was put out and we had a couple of streakers um, take the field and security get um, apprehended, but they had free the puck on their on their body. They painted it onto their body and that's all they could bear. And so someone's won the competition, but, uh, yeah, it was just funny to see that and that made the headlines in terms of controversial snitch. So, so just so we're clear... <laughs> That's not a promotion from a police officer for a streaking game. Negative, negative. I'll just say. Negative, negative. I was just. <laughs> See, you, you owe me a beer for that. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, Joey. It's coming. Just a shout out to my good friend Timothy Mullins, who's uh, going to be following up on who won that competition in the weeks to come. <laughs> nice. Wait, so, so is that this weekend? This weekend now you can win it? Is that right? No, nah, weekend gone. It was the weekend gone. Oh, oh. Yeah, so someone's oh, won it, but um, there was a couple of guys that, oh. that, that streaked and that got arrested. Yeah, I heard. Mm. Mm. So, um, Interesting. I think their surname was Ngangai as well. Anyway, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, no, that's good stuff. <laughs> good, good stuff there, Rog. All right, boys. Um, yeah. So that's us. Um, wanted to say, you know, thanks to all our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Counter Ruck. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing these podcasts weekly, so uh, yeah, be sure to check us out and keep an eye out for us on the um, usual podcast platforms that you listen to. Um, yep, boys. I just wanted to say thanks for being part of the pod and sharing your rugby knowledge and enthusiasm. You know, Joey, Rog, Kemps. Thanks, boys, and we'll be back again next week. Cheers, guys. Kakite, Ano. See you, boys. Nice stuff, boys. Crack up. <laughs> <laughs>